podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the latest episode of the Right in the Gary Kelly's podcast. On today's show, we'll take a look back on Leeds' nil-nil draw with Manchester United. We'll reflect on how well we've done this month and we'll chat all about the under-23s with LUTV's very own Tom Hill. Now, for a quick disclaimer, we'll make this a European Super League free podcast after this intro, obviously. We've heard enough, we've seen enough, we've got no sympathy. Let's just hope the same punishment and more is handed down to the so-called big six like we and so many other teams have had handed down to us over the years. Yes, it was the owners who made this ambitious and selfish leap to break away and form a new league, leaving no thought for any of the others left behind, but we do ask for consistency and fair action to be taken for all, and that includes the elite. Anyway, this week I'm joined by Matt, M, Lucy and Dan. How are you doing, guys? Very good, thank you. Very good, thank you. Doing really well, thank you. Great intro. <laughs> I think we just had to say something, didn't we? Get our two pennies worth in. That's it. We could dedicate a full podcast on it, couldn't we? Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> no, I'm just glad it came it and went. <laughs> yeah. Okay, straight into today's derby against Manchester United then. Uh, a nil-nil draw that left quite a bit to be desired when it comes to quality. Thin on chances, but a strong defensive performance. In particular for me, I think Alioski did a great job today. So I think he's deserving of a shout out. I'm sure Lucy will agree. Uh, what did you guys make of it? Yeah, I'm really happy with the draw. I know that we'd have been even happier with the win. But um, I think, yeah, we've just got to shout out the, the back four today. I thought they were excellent today. Especially Alioski, I thought he's been, I think he's been incredible these last three games. I think we were all worried going into the games, whether he'd, he'd be up there and, be able to perform but I think he, he did, he's done really well again I think Calvin was absolutely outstanding today he just looked a class above and he just he got Bruno in his pocket didn't he really and he, he was just so strong and he'd have been my man of the match today but yeah I think there could have been a shout for a penalty I'm still a bit on edge as, as to whether it should have been or not but um yeah, I'm happy with the point. I think we've just got to look back at these last three games and picking five points up. I think it's an incre- an incredible achievement. Oh, yeah, out of all the runs that we, you know, out of all the games that we said we were going to have, like to say that we would go, we'd go unbeaten in the last three. I know it stretches back to five. No one would have said that, would they? So you've got to take a point. I know. I, I don't think we played great. We defended really well. Um, that has to be said. I thought Yorente was brilliant again. Um, and strike just the whole back four like Lucy said we just didn't put a foot wrong and that's what you need against these big teams who are creatively very good and are going to have the ball they're going to put us under pressure and I thought we stood up to it really well and yeah like you mentioned Vic that Alioski did a great job and I think like I say he's done well the last few games actually you think probably teams would have tried to target him and they did try to target him I think and he actually 
best I've seen him defend, actually. He did a brilliant tackle in the first half, didn't he? To stop, um, was it Dan James? I can't remember exactly what, but yeah. And, um, and obviously the assist he got against Man City, so he obviously does his job going forward. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone can complain by that. Um, you'd, you'd have taken a point, I guess. We'd have loved to have beat him, but got to be realistic as well sometimes. I think Alioski's uh, playing like he's after a new contract somewhere, isn't he? Yeah. You know, it's that yeah, typical, it's... <laughs> typical footballer coming towards the last six months, three months of his contract. He's a world beater, best left back in the world. And all of a sudden, we've gone from Alioski being linked to that club to Alioski being one of our standout players. And mm. he's going to either get a new contract at Leeds, which would you give him one? Probably would on, on the basis of the last few games. But that's what happens. Look at Aubameyang at Arsenal. Mm. On fire, got his new contract. Haven't seen him since. He's had his hair cut a few times. And oh, yeah, he's got malaria, mate, as well. Well, so. yeah. There is <laughs> that, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, decent excuse. There's been a few before that, but we'll, we'll scrap that one. But, um, yeah, but I think Pascal Stroik has been a massive bonus for us this season. I think pre-season when Lorente and, and Cop came in and we had Cooper and we're all saying, oh, Nailing could play centre-back as well. Stroik was that backup for Phillips really wasn't it and now you can't see him being dislodged at all he's so comfortable today and I think for me there were a moment where Cavani came on and I, I was really nervous when Cavani came on I thought and then Sky do that classic Cavani has scored like eight goals in the last five minutes I know it's eight he's scored eight this season I think three of it or three or four of his goals have come in the last five minutes and then he went up against Stroik and Stroik just picked his pocket and he looks so comfortable and um I just think he's been a massive bonus and I just feel... And we spoke about it a few times on this pod about him and Lorente probably are going to be that first-team partnership now and it's going to be very difficult for the likes of Cooper to come back in and replace Stroik because I feel Stroik deserves that place, I really do. And and Lucy touched on about Phillips. He was like Batty-esque today. He was everywhere, wasn't he? And, you know, he breathed on Fernandez a few times and he went flying, didn't he? So, <laughs> fair play. I thought Calvin was... Probably one of the best games I've seen him this season. He was he was fantastic. Yeah, Carl's mentioned in his post match interview, you know, about the fact that we man mark and that's just how we work. And he said his job was just to stop Bruno getting any chances. And he said, as far as I'm concerned, he didn't have any proper chances, and that's my job done. It literally is that, isn't it? It's just they, them knowing exactly who they need to be on and just sticking to it. But just coming back to Stroke again, obviously he's grown so much in confidence and you can just see it. And I think as fans, we feel that confidence back from him now. And, and like you say, it's going to be really difficult for the likes of Cooper and Cock to come back in and dislodge those two. There was a moment, actually, I think when Cavani came on and they had a corner and Alioski was at the bench giving the seven because obviously seven was on the back of Cavani's shirt. It's like, who's picking him up? Who's picking him up? I think Alioski ended up picking him up, didn't he? He had two players at one point. So there is that that kind of roles where they have to, like you said, specifically mark a player. And if they can keep that player quiet and out of the game, then their job's done. But it has to be all 10 players that has to perform. And it, I think it, 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 came, it came right today. We are missing some other key players aside from Cooper. Obviously, Rafinha didn't make the squad today. Um, Rodrigo's still out. From a creative perspective in particular, do you think we looked a little bit lost for ideas today? Yeah, definitely. I think front three did struggle. Uh, I thought Bamford tried, but we didn't have much service. Um, I thought Harrison and Costa just couldn't get in the game uh, at all, really. Uh, Costa had that one shot, which is probably the closest that we got that took a deflection, wasn't it? But... Um, 
yeah, we couldn't get the wide men in. And like I said, Dallas and Phillips, they did their job in the middle. They stifled their midfield, but we just couldn't get anything going. And that's when you do, that's where we missed Rafinha. You know, just someone who could beat a man, um, someone who could skin someone and just get us going on the front foot. And I think that's what we, in terms of going forward, that's what we lack today. We've, um, you know, you, you can't say that we miss Cooper because, you know, we were brilliant at the back and Rodrigo probably could have had a role in that game. Um, but yeah, Rafinha was the big one. Yeah, I think I agree. I'd, I'd love to have seen Bamford get on the score sheet today. But like you say, I don't think he had the service there. And I think if Rodrigo or Rafinha were, were on the pitch, I think he he would have got himself a goal or two. Um but yeah, I think I, I think we did really miss Rafinha today. I don't think Jack Harrison was on his, his game. He didn't seem to have a great game, I don't think. And I think Costa he had um a better game than Liverpool. Um because I thought he was good against Man City. But um yeah, I think we definitely um missed that sort of creativity, especially from um Rafinha. Harrison's struggling into it at the moment, you know, I think. Mm. Yeah, a bit a, off, hasn't it? Yeah, I was hoping he was going to, obviously, he missed the Man City game because obviously he couldn't mm. play and was expecting him to come out all guns blazing because I think the game before it, he, he played really well. But, um, yeah, he's really been struggling the last, last couple of games. Yeah, definitely. I think he's a big, big confidence player. So mm. if he just, if he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed that day and his mind's not quite in it, I think it has a really big impact on him. Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I think sometimes I think he gets pinned by his defensive work as well. Like he is one that can be prone to switch off from the man marking. Um, there was a couple of times where you know, like you know, when they switch men and stuff, and you saw that Wan Bissaka got free, or there was one time where he ended up on Fernandez, and that was one of the times where he got free down the right hand side. Um, so you know, when he is tracked back and pulled back, I think that's when he struggles, and you know, if he can't get on the front foot. Um, but yeah, I think he, he had a he had a bad game, but you know he's he's had he's probably had more good games than bad games. So you know, and when games when we're struggling, it's always going to happen every now and then. So not too bothered. I think we were saying before about Jack Harrison. He was struggling. I think he did go through a bit of a dip around Christmas time, mm. and then he scored that worldie against Newcastle at home and then away, didn't he? Because we played them pretty much back to back. Seemed to just give him that extra spark, but. Yeah, I think when Rafinha does come back, it could be Costa Rafinha on the win. Harrison may lose his place because Pervedo started getting a couple of cameo appearances as well, hasn't he? And he's not done too bad again, which he seems to do. And, you know, could he make a start against Brighton? Um, it mm. could possibly be. And Jack Harrison may, may be left out. Controversial. Um, Robin Cock replaced um, Roberts on 77 minutes. Commentators seem to suggest that we were playing for a draw. I don't think I've ever, ever seen a Bielsa team play for a draw, particularly against our biggest rivals. Um, Cock actually sat in front of the defence alongside Calvin, which was kind of new. What did you make of that? I loved it. I think I think we, we, there was Sheffield United game. We, we, we beat Sheffield United 1-0 at Bramall Lane. And we were still... You know, it's a, that was a great result. That you wouldn't up at Bramall Lane, start of the season when you didn't really know how we were going to perform. Same with them; they had a great first season, and at one point we wouldn't nil up, and then we, we try to nick a second in nine second minute. It's like five of our players bombing forward. It's just having that tactical nouse and you, you're screaming, saying tech attacking player off and bringing all the midfielder on, which he never did. And there were a few games in the early stages. I remember Wolves being one of them. And to see him do that today, and he's done it a few, a couple of games in Chelsea as well, he did it. And it's just starting to kill games off, get the result. Because there's no point in gung-ho in every game 
because you know you're gonna get found out and i think mm. you look at old trafford last uh, last year we got we got found out didn't we sorry earlier on in the season so yeah for me i think teams do it successful teams do it and yeah you know we're mid-table in our first season the premier league and i think he's starting to to stop that kind of gung-ho approach which i absolutely loved it if i'm honest mm. i think another part of why it made sense was because they just brought pogba on didn't they and we have no one physically that could stand up to pogba apart from the two center backs so tactically i just think it made sense bringing him on because Whilst he sat next to Calvin, I think he was Pogba's. Pogba was his man, wasn't he? Uh, for the most of it, I think. So it just meant it was, you know, getting rid of their big creative player, and also meaning that you know Alioski is not going to be marking Pogba on a corner or something, you know, something stupid like that. So I thought, I thought it was perfectly fine. Like the point is a point, and bringing him on, I don't think it made us more defensive at all. It just, you know, it was just a different setup, and it just meant that the man-to-man could work more and. You know, I think in the last 10 minutes, we probably look more likely than scoring than the first 80. So, yeah, I think it was a good, like Matt said, I think you've got to do it sometimes and it worked. Yeah, I think when um, they first made the change, I was thinking, oh, this is a bit a bit odd. <laughs> Not like us, but um, no, I, I thought he did he did really well. And um, to say that he's been out for a few months with an injury and he's going into and making these tackles and looking really strong. I think he, he, did, he did a great job. I know it went on the pitch for long, but um, yeah, I was really impressed with what I saw. And I'm a, a big Robin fan and I'd like to see more of him nearing the end of the season. So yeah, really happy. Yeah. Went with the first Which name be- there rather than the surname. Where do you think his best position is then, Lucy? Where do you want to see him? I don't know if this is a trick question. <laughs> oh, do you want to see him in the hall? Do you want to see him at the back? No comment. He's a big lad. Get him up front. My mum and dad listen to this. Come on. It is a good question, though, in fairness. I know it is. Being serious. <laughs> if, we've got, if we've got that solid back two where we feel like Stroik and Llorente are the ones that are going to start every match actually you know we've, we paid a lot of money for Robin Cock and it would be a shame to not see him week in week out so if that does work with him playing alongside Calv against the right opposition then it'd be quite interesting to see if that becomes a bit more of a regular thing mm. yeah it's an interesting point and I think he proved I think he is the most likely replacement for Calvin as well in terms of how he can play. I think he can do it, do that role better than strike um, from the limited times that we've seen him play it and stuff. So I think it, it probably does make sense that, you know, he sits with Calvin and then if Calvin gets injured or is suspended, then he's going to play that role um, more often, I think. I think that could be his position moving forward. But obviously, your NT had a dodgy start with injuries, but seems to have overcome that. But then... You know, with Bielsa wanting right-sided centre-backs, you know, left-footed, left-sided centre-backs as well. If your NA goes down, you imagine Cock will go back. So, it's, um, I think, like all Bielsa players, there's going to be that flexibility there, isn't there? Now, not that we ever really want to look for excuses, but um, referee Craig Pawson was subject to quite a lot of anger across social media, with good reason, throughout the majority of the game. It's not something that just happened once or twice. I think it was every couple of minutes there was a soft free kick that seemed to be going against us. Um, there was also the penalty claim for handball against Luke Shaw. Do you guys think it was a pen? I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think oh, it's so hard because VAR are just so inconsistent and like I think it was yes was it yesterday's game 
it like come off the arm when the goalkeeper saved it and like that wasn't classed as a was it oh i can't i've lost my trailer for newcastle yeah so yes. yeah they didn't get given the penalty did they mm. yeah he chipped it over the keeper it came mm. it hit the keeper hit his arm oh no yeah. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. chipped the keeper came off the keeper hit his arm and then he knocked it in yeah. So it wasn't intentional handball. He he didn't put his arm in that move to oh. gain an advantage. He just unfortunately flipped off off his arm. But that goal was chalked off. Yeah, and and like just it was some of the decisions were just the the ref might as well have had a manu shirt on today because <laughs> ev- like every every foul that was supposedly made they're just they're just screaming and I can't stand Fernandez because. He's just the biggest moaner I have I I've seen in football and it's just he's just so soft and yeah, I think that sort of ruined the game a bit. Um just need to toughen up, man. Like, come on. <laughs> They're not too far over that side of the Pennines, are they? So no, clearly not. You you couldn't even breathe on them, but it was it was embarrassing. It was any contact, any any time you went near them, they went down like a, a shot, didn't they? And um Back to your original question about the the penalty incident with Shaw. If that's Pascal Stroik at the Stretford end, there's no VAR. Straight pen. Easy. And that's the difference. And um, you go on to the Wilson example and that was chalked off. Accidental handball. So why are you not giving a penalty for an accidental handball by Shaw? I don't know. Who knows? You don't know with VAR. It's so difficult to call it, isn't it? But um, Yeah. yeah, it was embarrassing some of the play acting. But these are cla- these are apparently world class players. Bruno, Fan- Bruno Fernandes is probably going to win their player of the year. He's probably going to get some sort of Premier League award this season as well. But I've seen him a few times like that, and he's he's just yeah, it's not great, is it? It's, I think you just need to hear Graham Sooners and Roy Keane's opinion on players like Bruno Fernandes. Thing is, though, just... we're getting the decisions. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was Whereas... one instance, isn't there, where. I can't remember what happened, but there was a there was a foul that got given, obviously, and the bench it must have been Man U bench they were screaming for it, and the ref didn't give it for about four or five seconds, did he? And then they were screaming, and then he gave a free kick, and even commentators were like, "Well, it looks like they were under pressure to get a free kick then from you know the constant moaning," and that kind of summed it up, to be honest. You did well to the, hear that, Dan. All I could hear was Victor Alter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't listen to the fan noise because I, I like to listen to see what noise Victor's making or you know see who's, um, all the dirty words that are being said through the game. But with the, with the penalty, I don't think it was a penalty. I'd be fuming if that got given against us. So that's probably the right decision. But like Matt says, if it was them, they'd have probably got it and it wouldn't have been overturned. So you know, I'm not surprised we didn't get given it. But you. Know, probably wasn't a penalty so as always um we popped it on social media just to get some thoughts from you guys on the match ian ours says great defending some poor balls and hesitancy going forward have to find a way to get bamford into the game more without rodrigo he seems very isolated the way we play with roberts just isn't working for him sam whitaker says i was kind of dreading this one of fixtures when i saw it at the start of the season very happy with what we've got out of them Silverlink says, glad to hear the full-time whistle, to be honest. Worst Leeds versus Manchester United game I've ever seen. And Dave, straight to the point, just says, good point in a dire game. I think that pretty much sums it up, to be fair. 
flipping air. Worst game he's ever seen. Did he not see that six two? <laughs> I suppose it depends, like on which way you're looking at it, doesn't it? At least that had some kind yeah. of entertainment. Today's match was was not enjoyable, to be it honest. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, but I'd take that over a six two thumping every week. Yeah, honestly, definitely. I would. I think there was a lot of negativity at full time from the, a lot of the fans. If I'm honest with you, a lot of seasoned fans as well. Maybe that just shows how far we've come. Disappointed that we didn't get a result. But in a way, we've got to come on to it later, but we sat down and looked at A-plus fixtures. you take that. I would have taken that. In our first season back, next season chase them that back-to-back win against them. But this season, just, just get through it. You know, Put in a shift, give them a game, and then get through it. Get through this season, and we've done that. And we should be happy with that. Not this disappointing. We've got to be disappointed. Obviously, we are. You're just beating Man City. That's probably why. The expectations are high and got a well-deserved draw at Liverpool. But, no, we should be happy with that. I think I think when the dust has settled in a couple of days' time and we look back on it, you take it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm definitely happy with it. I think anyone not happy with it, should, like you say, just needs to remember, you know, how we started the game at Old Trafford, where we went for it and got absolutely carved open at will. So, you know, I know we're used to seeing some great games under Bielsa and some great, you know, some great football. We didn't get much great football there, but you've got to appreciate the bits that we did do well and we defended so well for the amount of stick that we've got for defending this season. You know, people shouldn't forget that because that was a great performance in terms of, you know, grafting out point. So I think it did feel a little bit like that the way the match started, that we had the 6-2 on our mind a little bit and that we were just set up to make sure that that didn't happen today. Partly probably because we were missing the likes of Rodrigo and Rafinha, so we couldn't be as attacking as we would usually be. But yeah, it did feel like we were set up a little bit just to make sure that we didn't get turned over again. But absolutely, should be happy with the point. Here at Writing with Gary Kelly's, we bring you all things Leeds United that the fans want to hear and read. We've been covering the club for over 10 years and what an amazing journey we've been on. But now we would love your support to help us continue bringing you this high quality content. You can support us by donating whatever you can by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash R-I-T-G-K. Your donations help contribute towards the delivery of this podcast and all the content over at writingwithgarykelly's.com. Thanks to everyone that's donated so far. Um, I think we're going to speak to a Manchester United fan, are we? Are we really? I think we're allowing one on. We're going to let him on, only because we drew with him. (laughs) Um, So, thanks for joining us, Brad. You are indeed a Manchester United fan, so I hope you feel very privileged that we've let you on for this little section of the pod. We were just chatting and saying it probably wouldn't have been the same if you guys had taken all three points today, so, you know. Uh, how did you find the match? <laughs> well, to, to be honest, um, I've watched every single Leeds United game this season um, just because there's nothing else to do. Um, and I, and I, I think you've, you've improved an awful lot um, in the last like six or seven weeks. I think um, I just I, I always find as much, I don't want to give you guys too much credit but um i think i think it's fascinating football to watch um it's maybe not like today you know you probably got 60% of your game right when you just had the ball you just didn't i think you were just too knackered to do anything with it but um always the positions that the players take up uh, the 1v1 uh, mentality i've long said that 
like I watched the I watched the get the the Carabao Cup final straight after the game, and I and I just I was thinking to myself if if this was Bielsa get up against Pep with those players, I think it'd be a completely different story. Because oh, have you seen you? I think you boy you boys beat. City and you drew drew with them at Allen Road as well. Um, just going one v one with with City, um, and I think that's the that's the only way you can play a team like City or Liverpool, really. But no, today's game in particular, I thought was lacking quality in the final third in in, in both boxes. I think we had a couple of um, we had a couple of chances. Bruno um, on another day would have done a little bit better, um, but I think the draw is probably a fair result. Based on uh, what both teams did, I think you like your man Phillips did. A, I think uh, he's he's done a job on on Bruno quite well. Uh, kept him quiet. Dan James, if he'd have took the ball with him, but maybe he was repaying. You know, after Swansea City pulled out in the last minute yeah, he, he back in twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah, he did a little lead salute after that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. What about Rashford's free kick as well? That saved by Mesley was something else, wasn't it? Uh, One for the cameras, I thought, to start with, but it wasn't until I had a a good look at it after. It was a good save, you know. It was it was a good save. Defo won for that. If he lets it in, you know, everyone's calling him Poppadon fingers. Do you know what I mean? Poppadon wrists, but Quaverans. Yeah, Quaverans. But to be fair, um, you know, uh, it's a good strike up and over the wall. I don't know. Every time I watch football nowadays, I see these people putting a man underneath the wall. It always makes me feel a little bit sick and sick to my stomach. You know what I mean? You know when they have like a little man lying down mm. underneath wall. Roy Keane would never lie down, would he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> daft in it, daft in it. But no, it was a great. It's, it's a, it was a great game. Um, if you were uh, wanted to be bored to sleep of a of a Sunday afternoon, um, the missus fell asleep watching it with with me. So. Um, but nah, I think early. I think we were unfortunate because uh, the goals happened in the first game, didn't they? Let's face it. You kept <laughs> Scotty McTominay quiet today. Which was yeah, yeah. Uh, we were yeah, saying as long as we weren't two 0 down in the first five minutes, we'd made progress, didn't we? So <laughs> in, in, in seconds, was it? I'm sure it was <laughs> yeah, down so like 24 seconds. Um, penalty, Luke Shaw. If that's a penalty, I tell you what. Take football home and give it back. You know, I don't, I don't want it. Any, I don't want it anymore. I mean, you know, I'm just so glad that whoever was on VAR today, um, you know, didn't refer that because. Uh, I just, well, so Alex Ferguson, mate. I'm sure Fergie was on it. <laughs> Do you have the blinkers on today? No, it's just there's there's been some. Uh, everybody says F VAR, F VAR, but it's just that we've got. In the Premier League, you boys won't know because you've been out of it for so long, but in the Premier League, we've got the worst referees in Europe um, and we've had the worst, worst referees in Europe for many, many years. Um, they're, they're all, to be honest, Chris Kavanagh is probably the one that I think he's half decent, but he makes he's made a couple of silly mistakes in the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought today, was it... You know the send it. I think it was the send it out the the West Ham one, wasn't it? The against the Balbuena uh, mm-hmm. for Chelsea. I think when he goes to VAR, VAR are telling him that that's a red card, and I think he's got doubt in his mind. Like it was very similar to the McTominay um, in Son's face, the, the the overturn goal. I don't know if you boys watch Man United. You guys watch Man United, but and the McTominay one a couple of weeks ago with um, with Son Young Min, um, and he overturned that goal. I think. 
VAR should only really refer you if it's clear and obvious. Um, and you know that Balbuena one yesterday that was never clear and obvious for anyone for anyone's um, imagination. There's no if you can't kick a ball and then uh, you know plant your foot. I think we're all done. May as well pack up. Yeah, there's a lot more pressure on them, I think, as well. With with the, uh, I think it's put pressure on referees. Obviously, assistant referees used to make a lot of decisions. They don't make a decision now. They don't have a, they don't have a say yeah, at all. <laughs> like you look at a short handball today, and you'd think the linesman or the assistant referee, sorry, on that side. Do you think it was handball though? Do you think that was handball? Personally, at the start of the season, it would have been until they changed the rule. But obviously, rules have been changed, and I think they changed what around Christmas time, didn't they? But if that if that would have been beginning of the year, we were chatting earlier, Brad, about Newcastle game yesterday with Callum Wilson against Liverpool. He came off the keeper and he chipped it over, came off the keeper intentionally into his arm and it went in. It so was ruled out for the, the, the rule for, um, and this was the referee's interpretation, so if Luke Shaw is intentionally making his body bigger and this is the rule, this is still the rule, then it's a, then it's a penalty. Luke Shaw's got his hand down by his side and he's trying to pull his arm behind his back. He's not making the arc bigger. I mean, you know, we had one in the first game of the season where um, from, I think, five inches, the, the ball was smashed against Lindelof's arm and it was given as a penalty. Um, you know, there's been some shocking ones. If you're doing it judged based on that, then yeah, it's a penalty and there's probably been 100 penalties that have been missed. Mm. Um, but, you guys are better than that. Let's face it. You know, well, yeah, you were not. You've, yeah, <laughs> you've come, you've come up. You've, you've you, listen. You've bloodied everybody. You've bloodied a few noses. Um, you know, Sheffield United version two. Um, let's see what happens next season. Well, that's it. Um, that's the key one, isn't it, for us? Definitely. You know, there's lessons to be learned. There's a lot of second season syndrome in there. A lot of teams have failed to capitalise on it. So we've got a big summer ahead. Obviously, we've got players like Rodrigo as well. We spent a lot of money on him. He's never really got started. So we're expecting big things for him next season. But then we've got people like Stroik, who's come through out of nowhere. You know, we didn't expect him to perform as well as he did. And he was brilliant today. So the future's looking good. But obviously, that depends on Bielsa hanging around. So I'll I think be well. Sat, is he signing a contract? Or is Apparently, it, we've got, in day? principle, there's two years, potentially. But yeah, I think the only think, danger is his knees giving up. I don't know about you. I'd struggle getting it. You know, I'm only 35. I'd struggle kneeling down for that length of time. He's the guy's. He's a madman, isn't he? But it's it's interesting. Mm. It's it's entertaining to watch. Final one then. You take any Leeds player? Who would you take? Oh, you know, you you don't even have to ask, do you? The boy that Bruno played with. Everyone's going on with old old Raf. Um, we take him every day of the week, every day of the week, and twice on Sundays. I think he's. Um, I, think that, I think that's why we held him back today. Absolute bargain, that lad. I watched him against City the other week, and he was just oh. he was dynamite when he, you yeah. know, um, on the counter attack, and that's predominantly what we, we are, a lot of players transitional counter attack in football. But he's a uh, he's definitely. Um, one, but you know your your ownership. It looks like you've you've looked out on on these owners. You know you had um, the crazy one. You had the uh, Scarface. Um, you had Ken Bay. <laughs> you had Ken. You had Ken Bay. Um, you know I don't know if he's welcome back in Leeds. No, mate. And, and then and you've, got, <laughs> and you've got 
<laughs> you've got this you've got this family that seem to be they they seem to actually have a sporting plan i mean it was was it 100 million you spent in the summer close to 100 million um 90 odd million i think that's and that was in covid times where you'd you'd have had you know six months without without fans um and you refunded season ticket holders so you you've invested heavily in the squad um i'd like to think he probably you know Unless the players push to leave, which I don't, I don't see them doing. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you've come, you, you, you'll most likely come in between twelfth and and, and eighth. Um, you know, which is I don't know how Mikel Arteta's keeping in the job with Arsenal down there, but long may it continue. Um, but I, I, I just don't see um, how any players really going to jump ship from Leeds United at the minute. To be honest, even even if the big money comes in, because I think your owners have, will hold hold the nerve. Um, I think but, yeah, that's um, a big difference that's a big difference from us from previous years I think when we didn't go up a couple of years ago when we lost in the playoffs you know the, the likes of Villa and even Arsenal were sniffing around Calvin Phillips and there was big money 25 sometimes 30 million was offered or rumoured to be offered and we held back on it on on the promise that he'd, we'd get up and we kept him and now look at him he's going to start probably in the Euros this summer for England so and then Rafinha as well, plus 17, 18 million pound buy. It's crazy. Ryan Bruce cost 24 million pound and he's, he's done absolutely nothing for <laughs> Sheffield United. Well, it's a bargain. They're talking, you know, the next best thing coming out of Brazil now if he gets a cap and it could it could really start the 2022 World Cup if he gets a, if he carries on on this form. But, there's, you know, there's talk of big money I'm offering for him now. So mm-hmm. I think Rafinha is so, probably the only one that we're probably worried about. Those American owners at, at Liverpool. Um, they're getting slaughtered at the minute, but they they managed to sell Dom Solanke for thirty million and Ryan Bruce for <laughs> yeah. twenty four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's that's like yeah. like going and buying a tin of beans for Aldi, from Aldi for five pence and selling it for sixty quid down <laughs> down in Aaron's, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's incredible. It's incredible um, that what they've done there. You know, the rival is still massive for us. You know, I think we can all put our hands up and say for us, it's. It's like a cup final for us. And if anyone has gone into it this season, both games against Manchester United, to say it's just another game, then you, you don't know anything about this rivalry. And I think that, that kicking we got, in a way, I think we needed it because, you know, people were banging on about Champions League and all this stuff. And we went to Old Trafford and, in a way, it did us a favour because we seemed to... And we were chatting about it earlier about Bielsa having a bit more tactical now and killing games off. And I think... Probably that Manchester United game is is a moment it, the penny dropped for him. I think well you can't gung ho every single game because there's been some performances and some games where we've been one nil up and there's five minutes ago and we're pushing five six men up try to get a second to kill the game off and get results. So yeah, we needed it and I think today is probably probably a fair result. Appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'd say you'd be welcome to come on, but probably look, come on next time when we've got a victory to talk about, eh? Oh, there's, abso- there's absolutely no chance. Um, but yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. Good luck for the rest of the season. Not too much luck, um, but yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Hi, I'm Johnny Alson. I'm a big fan of the writing the Gary Kelly's podcast. So at the start of the season, we um, we sat back and had a good look at the fixture list. And I think April was the one that everyone was kind of dreading. The comments were very much, I hope we're safe by that point. But obviously, we were well safe before April came round, really. And I think having picked up five points against City, Liverpool and Man United, three of those so-called big six, um, we would have taken that at the start of the season, wouldn't we? Absolutely. I um, 
before we, I think we did a pod just at the end of March, didn't we? And we looked ahead at this month, April, City, Liverpool, Manchester United. And I, I ambitiously said I, we could take six points out of these three. And I remember listening back the next day and, God, I'm going to regret saying that. Um, but we took five. And I'm really happy with that. So I think I think the City game was phenomenal, wasn't it? I think we were on cloud nine after that. But even the Liverpool game as well, I thought we, we held ourselves. Um, and obviously a game against Manchester United today. So yeah, I think we can look back on it and be really pleased. Um, obviously the Chelsea results in there as well. We've got Brighton coming up. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good good end to the season now. I think we've got over that dreaded April we, we've been looking back over it really, haven't we, from the start of the season. So it's, it feels good to, to look back on and see how well we've performed, really. And without Rafinha as well for the last two games as well, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm really pleased with how um, April's gone. I think at the start of the season, like everyone else, you look at um, fixtures coming out and you're thinking, Shit, April is going to be tough. Um, but I think being safe beho- beforehand really like helped us. And we didn't really have much pressure on us. And obviously, Man City game, out- outstanding. Stuart Dallas brace, I thought. Best best game I've seen him play in, and I think the Liverpool game. I think we could have we could have easily taken three points from them as well. But yeah, like you said, five points from the last three games from three big teams. We we can't complain at all. I'm really really happy. Yeah, I completely agree. In terms of, I know we've not touched too much on the Liverpool game, but you know to be one nil down in that game and come back as well is was brilliant. And you know the second half performance was. One of our best, I'd, I'd goes to say. And again, if you take in who we're playing and how we took it to him, um, we could. I think we probably eat out. We could have deserved to win that game. You know, um, we should have scored a couple more, and that just should, you know proves how far we've come. And whilst uh, you've just got to keep your unbeaten run, and yeah, any run you've got, you've just got to ride off it. Um, so I think. We are playing with confidence at the minute, and you know it helps. Like you say, guys, it helps when you know we are safe and we're pushing onwards in the league. What are we? How many points are we on now? We need how many points have we got now? I haven't looked at the table today. Uh, forty-eight. Forty-eight. Yeah, I know we're touching fifty, weren't we? We're touching fifty, and we were all going on about this forty mark, and well, we've smashed that. We're probably going to get the most points 47. from a newly promoted team, aren't we? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. 47. So what's I think new, most for a newly promoted teams about fifty four in it fifty three fifty four, so that that'd be no mean feat if we can beat that and that's I think that was done by Newcastle in the nineties or summit so mm. proves how hard it is and how much praise Wolves got when they came up how Sheffield United came they came up I think we got more points than them so got about four games left four or five games left so you know that speaks for itself really. Are we going to plan a European tour next season then? What do you reckon? Is that oh. next then? Bloody love that. Well, I think that's the question, isn't it? We just touched on it with Brad, but like we're, we're, we're ninth now. We're probably going to finish anywhere between here and like 11th, just because obviously Villa have got a couple of games on us. Looking at what's happened to Chef United and looking at what's happening to Wolves, they've had an absolute, they've just like blown themselves up in the past few months. Mm. I mean, the last 4-0 at home to Burnley today. What do we do to make sure that we're not this one-season wonder and that we have like solidified ourselves for the long term back in the Premier League? You know, I've said this to one of my mates who's a Sheffield United fan. I say this about Sheffield United and Wolves. The way that they play, they're very methodical and they're built from the back. They were built around clean sheets. And if the goals dry up, you're going to struggle. And I don't think that's... 
we'll go that way because that's not how we play. Yeah, we, we'll still lose games and we still might get pumped 4-5-0 every now and then, but I don't think we'll struggle as much as they do just simply by the way that we play football, providing Bielsa's here, of course. Um, I just think we've got a bit more about us and we can always add that little bit more quality and our backers to do that. Took the words out of my mouth. That's why I get first. <laughs> I think I think I think just to add to that as well is it's always that classic they've been found out. Like Sheffield United, they have that, that great style of play that that got them up the leagues from League One to Premier League, and you know obviously they cemented themselves in a good position last year. And then this season it was well they've been found out. They're too predictable now. I think what we've got though is is he can evolve his team, and I think the performance against Manchester United and what we said about being defensively clever shows that we're not just one-dimensional and gung-ho, they can mix it up a little bit as well. And that's the advantage I think we have got against the likes of Wolves and, and Sheffield United, like Dan said. So uh, I think a, a few clever buys um, get Rodrigo firing again. Um, and I think, we might, I think we'll be all right again next season. But yeah, Mickey Peeker came on, didn't he, uh, before Christmas and he said European torn we all laughed didn't we after <laughs> thinking, oh my god what's he on about and genuinely we're not far off are we so you know anything could happen it anything scares me thinking about it like <laughs> h- half of me is do you thinking, want it do you know what let's let's go for it next season let's just push on like you say a couple of clever buys we've we've done a season we know what it's about we're going to have fans back next season that'll help us hopefully more than ever before and the other half of me is like, shut up, like just be happy with mid table, stay in the Premier League for a few years, don't get greedy. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm scarred from the last sixteen years. Yeah, well that's it. It's a distraction though as well, isn't it? For um don't you do you not think? Mm-hmm. I think you remember yeah. when Burnley got in it a few years ago under Dyche and it was a massive distraction from him and they nearly went down that year. Fulham as well were another one. So sometimes it can be a distraction because our squad is built for Premier League football. Imagine chucking a midweek Thursday night fixture in there in Kazakhstan. <laughs> you know, it might be a tricky, might be a tricky one for that squad. Let's be honest. Yeah, if especially Clint, with such a thin squad. If, yeah. if Click comes on after 85 minutes and he's blowing at 87, <laughs> what's it going to be like with some Europa League chucked in next season? I know, I think I'm a bit similar to Vic, like, you don't want to get too excited because it, we have got every chance of, of doing it. But then at the same time, I'm thinking, well, I've not seen, I've not been to Ellen Road yet and seen Leeds in the Premier League. So I'd want to at least see that first wow. live. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think going, in, going into next season, I just can't see us doing a so-called Sheffield United. I think we're, we're well and truly backed by... Um, those up top, you've seen today the shithousery from from Alter and um, Rad's wearing the white roses. Um, they've got Bielsa's back, and I think we're in really really good hands. And um, I think with the fans back again next season as well, I think those the likes of Diego, Rafinha, Rodrigo are just going to thrive from the atmosphere, and I, they can only get better. And I think next season, I think it, I think we're going to surprise ourselves and. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I just want to. I just want to be back in the in the stadium as soon as possible. Really, yeah. love a cup run as well. Get me to a cup semi or something. Like, because we could beat anyone on our day. So just be nice to go deep in a cup. I think and have a chance of going to Wembley because that'd be a great way to go out of lockdown, wouldn't it? With a trip to oh, Wembley. Yeah. But, Imagine yeah. a, a last minute cup winner in a semi. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I take that. 
if you get a trophy at the end of it, then... Just crossing that joke off my list. <laughs> <laughs> Crossed off. This season, we've partnered up with The Terrace, and you can get 15% off all their merch at terracestore.com. So fill your basket with the quality LUFC gear and add RITGK15 at the checkout to get your discount. Enjoy! So I'm going to hand over to Matt and Chris now as they look back on a memorable season for Leeds United under-23s alongside LUTV's under-23 commentator Tom Hill. Okay, it's that part of the show where we celebrate and look back as Leeds United under-23 secured the Premier League 2 Division 2 title with games to spare and we ask which of Matt Jackson's boys could follow in the footsteps of the current Leeds United number 23, one Calvin Phillips. We're delighted to welcome back LUTV's under-23 commentator, Tom Hill, and our very own under-23s reporter, Chris McMenemy. How are we doing, chaps? Very well, thanks, uh, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So, yeah, goals from the impressive Sam Greenwood and Jack Jenkins secured a 2-1 victory over a very strong Aston Villa side, which, as we've talked about in the intro, secured the title. It must have been a bittersweet moment for you, Tom, covering that game after after what's been a quite a memorable season for the under twenty threes. Yeah, it was amazing, mate. Um, you know, just a, a fantastic occasion. Um, just a little things like the weather was perfect. You know, the team was was good as well. It was strong, and and the fact that they had a good team out. You know, we didn't beat um, an under eighteen Aston Villa, did we? We beat a a very strong team that had a. a club record striker playing up front and two good centre-halves that have played there for many years so and the players did really well and I think it had everything in the game I just thought it was it was just the pit of the season of they they made a bit of a mistake with the, the sending off and then they had to rally and show the the things that they've learned over the course of the season and for the first half they just you know that Sam Greenwood's free kick technique is just is just something else mate and you know he scored that amazing goal and, and Joe Gallat was in in fine form and then to only give him 45 minutes and then still win celebrations and stuff mate yeah I just thought it was a the perfect game mate, to cap it off it's nice to be talking about the 23s again you know especially this week and a week that football seems to have been attacked by robber barons trying to call themselves football club owners and you know it's nice to be watching Mark Jackson's team you know that team of young lads and Adam Forshaw, uh, giving it a hundred percent. You know, their only aim is to make the greatest professional footballers and Leeds United, and not motivated by anything else. I just think it's it's been great to watch it all season. But Friday night really capped it off for me. Yeah, I just think I think at the start of the season they you know they had a couple of blips, and as you say there, Chris, I just think it was everything you want from a young team they were there was bags of heart there was an awful lot of talent a little bit of naivety as well with some of the tricks they showed at tunnel up and obviously it meant so much we, we the last time i came on this podcast you, you know we joked about i was going to come find you if they didn't get promoted and <laughs> when it was 2-1 i'm thinking like, like you know tunnel up i'm thinking it's a perfect commentary they've done it and then when charlie got sent off i was just like why like why is it going to go like this yeah and i was just thinking like oh, come on get it done tonight get the job done and you know, it's not that I doubted them. It's just, it's just one of those things where you just, you just want that perfect night where they get that moment in the lights. I thought it, the best bit for me as well was, it was Friday night. The, you know, in terms of this country, the pubs are back up and people are enjoying it. The weather's getting better, and the first team don't play till Monday. And I just thought that they deserved that little window of this is our night. This is what we can do. And and the first team, obviously, as it always should, takes paramount. But they, you know, that, that came a couple of days later. Yeah, they got the guard of the honour, uh, guard of honour, should I say? Sorry, by the first team the next day as well at training at Four Parts, which was which was nice to see. Do you, do you not think for me that that was just? 
could you imagine Matt that happening like five years ago? You know, little things, those little touches. I just think it just shows you how far of a club. It just it's a, it, other clubs might think, yeah, that's normal what you're doing, but I just thought that showed for me how far we've come, the respect they've got for them. Um, I love the fact they were back in training as well. I just thought it was, you know, I was just, <laughs> yeah. there was no time to celebrate, get a beer, just you know, Marcelo's under control and get back into work and get going, boys. So yeah, I enjoyed it, mate. So if we we've rewind back to the start of the season, really. Obviously, we lost Carlos Calveron to Huddersfield. He's obviously done quite well there. Uh, obviously, various players headed out on loan. And obviously, we were into a new division as well for the under-23s with better opponents. So, obviously, we thought it was going to be a transitional year, you know, just finding our feet. Um, but it's, instead, it's ended up with a league title. Overall, how do you think this season has gone? You're pretty happy? Is it taking you by surprise? Or is it, is it something that you just genuinely expected, looking at the, the quality that we've got in this under-23 side? And obviously with Mark Jackson as well, surprisingly kept or promoted into the role as well. I think there was a lot of talk that uh, Bielsa was going to bring a, a coach from from um, from Europe or from a coach that he's worked with before or even again promote within like he's done with Carlos. Um, so yeah, that's off to Mark Jackson as well, I guess, for, for really surprising a few people and doing a, doing a great job with the team. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've only met Mark a couple of times and... Um, when we've done the under-18s games, um, I've always been impressed by his, how his team are playing. And, you know, that is that identity that the club is, is trying to stamp all the way through and go all the way down from the first team, even to younger than the under-18s. I think it's, you know, pressure-wise, you know, couldn't be any happier for him. I think it's great. Obviously, of course, he's, he's got the connections with the club for many years. Um, he's been working there for many years. And to get the opportunity he's got at this level for the first time that the club has ever been in this, you know, this hierarchy, because... You know, it wasn't around when we were in the Premier League. I think it's great, mate. I think um, you know he's took it in his stride. They've learnt their lessons. He's you know he's obviously a very good coach. Yes, he's got some great youngsters. I don't. I think I'd be a bit naive to say that. I don't think I expected them to go close with the, the signings they made. You look at someone like some of those playing you know top flight football in Holland and stuff like that. I've, you know, for someone like him, Joe Gallagher, I've got a couple of mates that are Wigan fans. There's a guy at LUTV that's a Wigan fan that I asked him the minute we signed him, and he was absolutely devastated. And I could see it all over his face. He was absolutely fuming that we'd signed him. Um, and you knew then. I mean, when you're paying for someone like Sam Greenwood, I think. And then I went to that gate. When we went to play Stoke and we got beat four 0 I was just like, "Wow, this is um, this is interesting." Do you know what I mean? So we we'd, we'd pretty much waltzed the the, the um, professional development league. So I just have learned every single week, mate. Um, I thought that maybe be in the top four, four or five, maybe have to make playoffs if they made a few mistakes. I didn't know what the situation would be with the first team taking the twenty-three. You know, what signings were we going to make? You know, at the time we'd not signed Rodrigo, we'd not signed Lorente. But again, just for to not have Pascal Stroik in there, to not have people like that that are now fully fledged first team players and to still get the under 18s coming through. I think it's just been a perfect campaign, mate. They've been given a couple of beatings on the way, they've learnt their lessons and then they've just, oh, I always joke with Ben about the highlights. You know, imagine editing that footage, like it's just a joy to watch. You could watch mm -hmm. it all day. So uh, perfect, mate, for me, really. At a, uh, a 9 out of 10 just because of that Newcastle game to not make it a 10 out of 10. So, Tom, what was your standout moment from this season? Like, it can be a specific moment or be even just a bit more generally a best game? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I guess it's a good sign, guys, that I don't have one that jumps out at me. You know, for example, if we'd had such a bad season and I was like, oh, don't, you know, that was the one. I think the game I enjoyed the most, and I don't, I don't, I don't know why, because we beat Fulham 7-1, was probably when we beat Burnley 4-1 away at the... It's a bit of a horrible pitch. We, we played there before. Some of them got a hat-trick. Um... And it was just, there was a good point in the game when we, even though we had a two-goal cushion, they were all over us. And 
that was the sort of game where I realised where they'd learnt their lessons a bit and they ha- they weren't going to crumble anymore. Um, Cresswell at the back was immense. Casey was immense. They were putting blocks in left, right and centre and then they were passing to Somerville who was then just running down the wing, scoring goals and I was just like, this, you know, this is this is probably, they're not going to get caught now. Um, so that's probably the, my, my favourite game. I mean, the following one, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit snobby. I, I, there was quite a few first teams in that day. That day. Um and I try not to include the ones with those first teamers, even though I enjoy it because I think they learn an, uh, an absolute load off the likes of Pablo when Pablo was playing the first couple just for minutes and Tyler and Perveda. Um, I'd say that one really, but just watching certain people come out of the shell, Cody Drame, Galahart, Greenwood, and another one as well, finding that, that Sam Greenwood, who I thought would be our number nine for the 23s for all season long, plus the next campaign, is now a box-to-box midfielder as well, which again I don't really get my head around so uh, it's little things that I make little moments that I think have I've just capped off a, what's been a thoroughly enjoying you know enjoyable job and every single minute it's not it sounds cheesy but you know, every minute I do it's just a joy to watch mate so yeah that, that Burnley game was a good one it was like the most Sunday league game I think we played this season the yeah. pitch was a bit stinking I remember Cody <laughs> Jarmie Cody Jarmie went flying into uh, uh, one of the advertising yeah, yeah. Uh, hordens I was like he's probably caught his head on a rusty nail or something there <laughs> and plus sure their goal was that's when uh, the corner came in and I'm pretty sure one of their centre-backs basically just pushed a leg a prelim to the net yeah yeah I think was um, that again that drama had to have his head strapped yeah yeah, yeah, like yeah the yeah. last so, 10 minutes I remember yeah, that so they yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just they just they just showed like a bit of bottle and a bit um, a bit of now I think the one Kenneth came off the bench as well and had a stormer at holding midfielder and they were under pressure a lot and yeah I just think that, that's the sort of game as a Leeds fan that Leeds fans would love. A bit of quality, but at the same time, probably even more heart. So you, you touched upon Sam Greenwood there and, and Cody Drama. Probably ties it nicely to ask who's been your, your under-23 player of the year then, Tom. Tough choice as well, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah mate. Tough decision. Um, I have got a bit of a soft spot for Cody Drama just because I haven't really seen many people beat him yet. Um, you, you and Chris both then? <laughs> yeah, I just—he's just got that arrogance, man. Not yeah. not arrogance to to the point where it, oh, it's it's too much, and he thinks too much of himself. It's that confidence in his ability that you know you're not going to get past me. But I, I guess the one that's made that that's sort of taking your breath away and just I, you know, I just shake my head when he does it. Is, you know, it has to be Joe Gallart, really. Um, just some of the things he's done that um, I wouldn't expect someone of his age to you know to do. Or just because we're not normally used to seeing someone of his age do that, you know, it is a little bit special that he comes in. He's, I mean, you know, he's played at a higher level than this. He's played in the championship, so let, you know, let's not let's not pretend he's some sort of diamond. We've we've um, we've found that out of nowhere, but um, yeah, I, I think he's got a bright future, mate. And I really just hope it's it's an Asher. And yeah, he's just um, some of the things he does. His attitude. I was talking to Ben the other night on the gate just during the game. Like he gets angry when things don't go his way, as if everything should go. You know, he sets such high standards for himself and. I think he's got that chip on his shoulder that you need as a centre forward. Like you know, this is his game, and and it's everyone else's to play in, really. Um, apart from the fact that he decided to miss a penalty in the game when they got promoted, but I guess he is human for a little bit, man. Yeah, I've got Gellhart down here as player of the year. I was kind of hoping you were going to say Cody Drame. I thought, I thought Ben Parker maybe bent your ear on on uh, Drame just enough. But yeah, Ben. Uh, Ben Ben's a big fan of his. I mean, Ben Ben likes them all. Man, if you ask him, he just sits and gets excited about them all, really. Um, but I guess that's you know we could you could talk them up all year. Like I think one that goes on the radar 
because of how well they've done. He's like, he's the keeper. He like Rapil. Like some of the things he's done has been superb. But you know, sometimes it's two 0 and people think oh, it doesn't matter. But um, and Niall Huggins, people like Cresswell. The list goes on there. But yeah, I think I think Joe takes it just. Yeah, I like Strip McKinstry as well. I think there's there's a touch of class about him. I mean, I know at the start of the year there was a lot of hype around him whenever uh, Phil Hay wrote that article in the Athletic. He's just and he's good off either foot and. Was it was the not no Reading? He scored two goals. Like he really sort of yeah, just like a classy midfield attacking midfield. He can play on the wing as well. Bright it's future, things, yeah, it's little things that I noticed that. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, obviously, for a good chunk of the season, I was just sat. I was, you know, I was just sat on my own, so it was trying to find something else to do while not trying to bore everyone to death with the commentary. But I just love watching his off the ball stuff because he just screams at everybody, the refs, the players. He's got like a, he comes across to me like a, a player that's seventeen, but he's like an elder statesman, thirty year old in the dressing room. Like yeah. he's he's happy to have a go at everybody. Um, I just think that shows quite a lot of. But I think I find that quite a surprise. Me, you know, I think that's quite an impressive trait to have that. You know, he's got the the confidence to make sure everyone is on the same page. And yet he's only been here what is it eighteen months? So yeah. So I guess the biggest question of all of this is who can you see stepping up to the first team next season? Like I don't just mean like Gelhard has come in and, and sat on the bench and not not featured yet. Is there anyone that you can see coming through next year? and actually getting some game time consistently. I mean, it's tough, isn't it, in terms of we know Marcelo's... Um, we know Marcelo loves the current group. Um, in terms of ones that I don't think would be fair as the all and ability-wise, I think I think Cody would be able to do it, you know, say if Luke got injured. I know that Marcelo at, at times has shuffled the team around, but um, he would be one that I think would, would confidently sit on that right and have defence and put himself about... The issue that I think some fullbacks have got now in the Premier League is that it's all about attack first, isn't it? Where he's got the other side of it nailed down first. You know, he could do his job and do a good job. Um, of course, Joe Gallagher, I'd love, I'd love Gallagher to play just ten minutes before the end of the season. Um, mm. Every time there's a game on, and me and the missus sat watching there, she'd be like, "I was on the bench." I'd be like, "Yeah, just give it ten minutes. Give him ten. Give him." And I, I'm like a proud like dad, like just sat there, like please, please. And then when the third sub comes on, I'm just like, "Oh, never mind." Um, so he would probably the one. Uh, Cresswell's probably got. I think Kim mentioned saying this at the start of the season that Cresswell's probably got a bit of competition because we've now got five centre backs or four centre backs that are all fit, um, which is a shame really. And then the other one, I guess, would be Somerville just because of what he brings to the team defensively. He has that hard work, work you know, work rate that Marcelo demands in the first team, and he's also got the skill. So I'd probably said they were the front three. Um, so it'd be, it'd be Galhart, Drame, Somerville, and then probably Cresswell just solely behind. And I mean, obviously. They, it's hard to forget about Nile Huggins, but we don't know what the first team plan is. You know, you read the rumours that the left back is their their preferred option for the transfer market, and it all depends on what they do in that side of things. And I I think a few will go out on loan. Actually, if you look at, I think Alfie McCalmont scored earlier tonight again. Again, um, yeah. I think so. Um, so I think there could be a couple that would go down that route that maybe get that someone like Cresswell that goes out and does a year in the championship somewhere. I think that would be great for a few of them as well. Yeah, that was my kind of follow-up question there, Tom. You know, you touched upon uh, Charlie Cresswell and there's, what, the four centre-backs, able four centre-backs as well that can... And you don't want to see the development of these players being halted in any way, do you? And sometimes, I, I think we said it at the beginning of the season, that you'd you'd want to see a few of them go out and get some Football League experience, won't you? Because there's definitely a benefit of, of having that, but I think they've gained a lot of experience 
obviously in this division that they've, they've won this year. But I think uh, seeing players like Gellart on the bench is amazing. And, and like you both said, I think you know you're always wanting him just to get a few minutes, don't you? And just for his, I guess for his mum to be happy as well because she's a proud mum, isn't she? On the uh, on Twitter, so yeah, it'd be good just to see him making that. And hopefully we'll get to see it before the end of the season. That some of these players will will probably make first team appearances because I think they definitely deserve it. Yeah, I think there's there's other things like. I just want Pablo to stay so he gets 40,000 people to scream his, you know, things like that that, that, you know, that he <laughs> yeah. deserves. And I think I'd be upset to see certain players move on that don't, don't get to, we don't get to say thank you for what they've done for us. Um, yeah, Gellart coming going to be amazing. I was just thinking actually when McCalmont scored tonight, I, I'll have to be wrong on that one. Like, yeah, if you just said to me he's going to become like a bit of a box to box midfielder and score goals, I'd have just said no. It, I, I, for me, he's a bit more of like a foreshore mode where he controls the game, dictates his passing's what pretty much makes him tick. Um, but again, that I probably this is what probably shows you that a year away from under a different management might bring something out of them. So it would be good. I think it'd be great to see one player as well. I think just deserves a bit of a special mention is um, Oli Casey. Like, Oli Casey got panned in January when we, we, we were terrible in the FA Cup as if it was his fault. And he's been when Charlie's been playing on the bench for the first team for that two months. Oli Casey was one of our best players. You know, he was leading the team. I mean, on Friday night, I, he was everything for me. He was screaming at people, cheering. He had that massive block as well, which which was paramount. I'd like him to go get a year somewhere. I think, you know, that'd be nice just to, for them to go out and, and earn their keep. Because sadly, the thing is, is that, you know, this 11 that I get to watch and we all get to watch, he's not going to make it. You know, they're, they're not all going to be able to play for the first team. So, um, it's just one of those, mate. I said to Ben a few weeks ago that there's going to come a time where I don't ever get to commentate on Gallat again for the 23s. And it'll be, a, you know, I'm just enjoying every time you get to watch these players because there is going to be a time they get either moved on on loan or, or they become first team established. So, do you have any insight of the under 18s under 17s and is it just 23s um we get to do a couple of the under 18s games um at the moment it's it's more of a um logistic issue because obviously yeah. when we've come up we've only got so many staff and so many uh, equipment and so many cars and it's very tight to get into grounds like you know certain clubs are very difficult to get you know to access the under 18s play a lot on a saturday as well so depending on where they play if they're playing in Norwich away and the first team are playing in London, then you've obviously got to have two sets of people back at base to edit the footage mm. and stuff like that. But, you know, there is, we've seen quite a lot of the 18s and obviously Mark Jackson's brought a lot of them through and done the FA Youth Cup. Sadly, we couldn't do the game where they got knocked out. But there's even, you know, there's some players in the 18s that are absolutely flying, mate. That yeah, that's got, my question, really. at Man City. Um, yeah. Any, any that you can see breaking through for next season, Tom? Yeah, I think... <laughs> Morton Spencer plays like a 25-year-old man that's been playing in League One for a couple of years that just wants <laughs> to just control. Like he, there's a couple of them that have got this like aura about them that they're ready to that they're ready to play. Um, you know, you've got um, you've got Snowden that's come in. You've got Jeremiah Mullen at centre half, Chris Moore at centre half as well. Um, I've been quite impressed with those that have come up and played against people that are four or five years older than them for the 23s and they've put themselves in there. But yeah, I think Spencer's the one that's probably caught the eye the most. Um, They've got a couple of good forwards. Alfie Hughes got an absolute beautiful goal the other day for the under-18s to win them the match. So, he, that was an amazing goal. Um, and he caught the eye. When we did the FA Youth Cup game and they smashed MK Dons, he was the one that caught the eye the most, even though he didn't score. Because he had like that, you know, that number 10 sort of aspect of his game where he dropped off the shoulder and picked up the ball, but he was working hard. And I guess it's sort of what we, we see from... Bamford now where he's in those right positions but he will also go and pull defenders out so there's about four or five that I think 
pardon me, depending on what the structure of the 23s does, if four or five move on, they'll just come straight through, really. Um, you've, you know, it's hard to forget about Charlie Allen as well, because when we signed him, it was like this big thing, because, as you know, Matt, when we signed players from youth products, because we didn't do it for 10 years, because we were pretty rubbish, it's a big thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So, he's got a bright future. I think his last game for us was probably the best he's played all season. He actually looked like he was, you know, bulking up a little bit and stuff. So, I, I hope we get to see more of him, because he's still playing for the under 18s, is Charlie Allen. So, yeah, there's about four or five minutes that I think we'll see pretty regular next year. So Max Dean as well. He's he's still oh, yeah. I mean he's I still that. eligible for under 18s next season. Never mind yeah. now. I mean he, he I'm not sure what it was he did, but he was in a cast for a while. Right. Yeah, he's okay now because he was one of the ones that was running wild at Aston Villa on Friday. I, I could just yeah. see his moppy hair just jumping about, um, and he didn't have a boot on. I think he's back in training actually. So, yeah. um, I mean, I forgot about Max Dean because I just included him in the 23 squad in the top of my head because he's played that yeah. many games and done that well. But yeah, I mean, he was only 17 the other week because he got his first contract. So, um, you know, people, you've probably got a spine really, uh, two centre halves, um, a couple of centre midfielders, and. And uh, obviously Alfie Hughes and, and Max Dean. So yeah, you know, full credit to the staff that have, have brought these youngsters in, that they've that have coached them like they have. Mike Jackson's played his part, and there's coaches that I'll never get to meet, and those you know that won't we won't ever get to hear the names of that have, have worked tirelessly to make them what they are. So you know, it's just great. You know, it's it's about time, I guess, that fans could can get excited at someone that might come through in three, four years' time. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see Nolan Kemmer a lot more. He's featured. A good bit for the 23s this season, but I mean, physically, he's he looks like a proper proper defensive midfielder. He's about six foot three. He's decent with that. with both feet. He can play centre back too. He can play a little bit further as a forward as a box to box midfielder. And he only turned 18 in either January or February there. So you know he's definitely one to watch next year. He is. Only 18. We talk about the, these kids like coming through. I know you have Jude Bellingham and whatever, but like he's just old enough to buy a beer. Like he's got a long way to go in terms of development, and he's a really, really good player. Like that game up at, at Middlesbrough for the 23s, he marked Ashley Fletcher. Called? Yeah, he scored. He marked Ashley Fletcher in that first half and bullied him. Like he he bullied someone who, albeit it's Ashley Fletcher, but like seven million pound they paid for him. Like yeah, that's no, a, I was- that's a really, that's say, a really good performance. I was just going to say, I've never been massively impressed by him, but he has been playing championship football for like four years and he's older than him. Um, yeah, he's one of those players that um, his football manager, uh, like boyhood, I've, I've been playing with Leeds for like a few years now and he's, he's in the team and you think, I wonder if he's ever, you know, I wonder if he's ever going to do anything with his career. And then yeah. obviously you get, to, you get to watch him and stuff and, and you know, there's a lot of um, attention around him you know, he seems like such a nice lad. He, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's never scared to put a tackle in. And as you say, he, he, he's sort of Marcelo's perfect player because he can play three different positions in different roles. Um, and again, if one of the centre-backs do go out on loan, then I'm sure they might see him going there for a bit and maybe try and nurture him that route. Um, you never know if McCalmont's going to come back. And Yes, mate, again, another one that you forget that he's 18. Um, you know, like Pascal Stroit was playing a couple of years ago. He still got, I think he could still play at the 23s for two more years. Yeah, And yet, you know, when you watch him play for the first team, you would not know. And oh, I've always absolutely, he was honestly, class last night. It was honestly, class against Liverpool. Yeah, I've been saying it for ages. I told this yeah. on, the last, on the last pod where I did with you guys. You know, his development since he got subbed after ten minutes by Carlos at Barnsley, yeah. where and he couldn't pass that well. His he, his passing was what let him down. He, he was <clears> always <throat> a defender. He, it was his passing, 
And when you watch him now, I just think, do you know what, mate? Fair play to you. You've constantly worked and you've clearly got bags of ability. And I just think it, it's always good, isn't it? As you say, when he's, he's class, he's playing against Liverpool. Mm. Uh, he's not playing against West Brom. Or, no offence to West Brom, if there are any West Brom fans listen to this podcast. But do you know what I mean? He's playing well, against... We've got a few. We've got a few. <laughs> like, you never know, do you? No, just aside, he was playing against, you know, at one point, the best front three in the league. And yet, you wouldn't even know that he's been playing for six months in the first team. Um, and this is the same guy that come on as a holding midfielder for a couple of games because we lost Calvin to a knee injury. Just shows you how hard they work in training, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It's um, fair play to them. What do you think we can expect from PL1? You know, except for the obvious Man City and Man United. How, how do you expect next season to go? I know it's a little bit early, but how do you expect it to go? Well, last night, mate, I was, I was sat thinking... Who are we actually going to play with this Super League that's coming? Thinking if they boot everyone out of the Premier League, I signed off from the commentary on Friday saying bring on the big boys, and I'm thinking there isn't going to be anybody. We're going to be we're going to be the big boys in the league. <laughs> um, but you know, all joking aside, I just think I think they'll do all right, mate. I think some of the games will be brilliant. I think they'll probably get they'll probably get beat by a couple of them. Um, it's hard to judge Manchester United because the only time I've seen them was when we played under 18s and we had a very young team out that night and they gave a great account of themselves and only just got beat. Um, but I, I, I think they'll be pretty comfortable. I don't think they'll have to worry about coming back. Um, it'll be a change, you know, to obviously what I've been used to when I've covered them. It's been nothing but success for three years. I think we'll see a couple of additions and hopefully, mate, hopefully we don't lose all of them to either loans or first team because obviously you want to be competitive in that league as well and this is a totally new it's a totally new level as well you know we're a level above what we've, the league we've been in now let's be honest that point gap tells you that um, but yeah if they can sneak a playoff plot spit you know for anything like that um, then great but yeah you know the future's bright hopefully there's European youth football to look forward to and all that sort of stuff mate but um, for now I think they'll be they'll be in a, in a decent spot yeah, I'd like to. I actually next season as much as anything like to see them make a run of the Papa Johns. You know, we try to Papa Johns. You're not a big fan <laughs> of Papa Johns, are you, Tom? No, mate. It's worst pizza I've ever had. <laughs> Stinking. <laughs> Absolutely rubbish. And um, and the performance that and those that first game was horrendous in it as well. Um, yes. <laughs> but again, it was tough because it was such a. Again, you've got the pandemic. You've got the new signings coming in. The 23s are playing the first team squad. It was like a bit of a like a mishmash of trying to get the, the 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 squad ready, and they were playing against grown men. But that's a great point you make, Chris. Actually, that'd be a that'd be something that would be good to see, you know, because it'd be something else to try and add to the boat. And I, you know, I don't know, but knocks to their belt, and um, even just to get out the group stage, just those little small marginal gains, just something different from this year. Um, but they need a few. They'll need a few big, uh, decent defenders back because you know when they're playing against these grown men. Um, it's not ideal to play against an under-17 defender that can still play for the 16s, which is what we've seen. But yeah, um, fingers crossed, mate, that, that is an, another competition they can enter and do well. I don't think an under-23 team has yet won it, has it? So let's let's make history, boys. Let's make history. Oh, oh mate, it'd be... Well, that's the thing, is it? I, it's, a, it's an unbelievable learning curve to play against grown men that even little slide tricks in the box, as Chris mentioned, against Burnley, pushing over certain people and... Sure. Even your temperament, you know, these are young, passionate players that are probably going to lose their heads. Those old pros are going to get in their faces. And, um, yeah, if, if we can make more history and annoy all those other clubs, mate, then fantastic. I'll be all for that. Here, you, you might be worried, though, if the, the way the Super League thing's going, Man City and Man United's first teams might be in the Johnson's Paint Trophy next season. Or Papa <laughs> Jones. Or, that, that'd, yeah. just be, that'd be our luck, wouldn't it? That The year that we get all right at it, um, that someone else is uh, is in there with us. But, yeah, it's just a, it's a good concept, I think. It's 
you know, of all the things now that we criticise and moan about in football, I think it's something that is quite good. It gives those lower league clubs something to play for, another trophy to try and win. And then they're trying to put these big clubs in their place a little bit. And obviously when you get fans back, you know, if it, it sounds quite depressing, but imagine, Matt, we were saying a few years ago in League One, if we were playing Man City's youth team in that cup, we'd have probably gone to watch that. Mm. I'd have probably gone to watch that as Leeds' first team against some of these smaller clubs. That'd be something you'd have done. I remember uh, 15, 16, 17 season, they used to play at Ellen Road. I think it's £5 entry. I remember going to see Luke Murphy's return from injury. Went to a few games, actually. What a guy. Uh, and there was always a decent turnout, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that's another thing that might change. You know, It's, it's easy logistically to, to host the games at, at training grounds, and it's a mm-hmm. bit safer as well. And But yeah, I mean, one of the best experiences I've had in this job is when we won the cup final at Ellen Road, and they were queuing around the stadium twice. Yes, get, and there's that. Yes, you know, so something like that, mate. Hopefully, we could maybe do the, the, the Johnson uh, Johnson paint, the Papa John's. I'm trying to get rid of the pizza now. Uh, we can try <laughs> and do those games at Ellen Road, but obviously, it's a shame because obviously the the football league clubs get the the, the money. So um, that's how it goes, and that's fair, mate. You know, that's that, that's how it should be. But hopefully, we can get a few more bigger crowds in, and, and people can get to watch them in the flesh. Really appreciate you coming on, Tom. Uh, it's been a, a memorable season. Uh, obviously, we started the season with uh, influx of new players uncertainty just thought it was a finding our feet and obviously we've gone up as fucking champions so may the success continue and uh, obviously see a lot of these players uh, break through and be the future of Leeds United which is which is really exciting to see so yeah really appreciate you coming on Tom and sharing your your, your memories of this season with us yeah no worries guys obviously you know Matt, I've got a lot of time for you and stuff and um, always willing to help out and chat about um, the 23s and the club as well so yeah long mate continue mate it's a thoroughly enjoyable job and um, it's great to see there's a buzz about not only the 23s the 18s and the first team mate you know, we've had too much misery for now and yeah the more of these we do the, the, I guess the better it suggests we're doing as a club so yeah cheers for them kind words Tom I'll be popping a Papa John's pizza through your door in the next uh, half an hour mate <laughs> 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 oh, done for another week as always we'd love some feedback so let us know your thoughts on the podcast by leaving a review on your chosen platform or get in touch with us across social media at ritgk speak to you soon Network.